0: Welcome to Coaches on a Mission. I'm Dallas Travers and I am really glad you're here. If you're a values-driven coach and you want a clear path to more clients without any complicated strategies or sketchy sales tactics, you're gonna love this episode. So I've invited three coaches to come and talk about what they learned to bring in 18 new clients and counting using Client Search as their guide. So before we dive into that conversation, I want you to know that on Tuesday, May 3rd, the doors to Client Search will open. This is a program that rolls out my step-by-step proven process to help you find seven paying clients in 30 days. We're going to kick enrollment off with a free workshop called Clients from Scratch. This class, whether you decide to join me in client surge or not, this class is all about client-centered selling, and it's going to be really helpful for you both internally and externally to show up differently in your sales conversation. So you can grab a spot for the Clients from Scratch workshop at dallastravers.com slash clients. So go do that now, and then come on back and listen to James, Jessica, and Kate share the the behind-the-scenes of their client surge process. Not only are you going to learn from them how to really hold space for clients during sales calls, how to present an offer with confidence, and how to overcome your own resistance to being visible, but you're going to get great insight into what client surge is all about, and hopefully that can help you decide whether or not you want to jump into the program. Okay, so with that, let's dig into the episode. Welcome, everybody. I am really excited to talk about your experience inside of Client Search. So thank you for joining me today. Let's start with some introductions, shall we? James, I'll have you kick it off. Can you share a little bit about who you help and how with our listeners?
1: My name is James. I'm from the UK and I help women over 40 get better control of their health, their hormones and their happiness. Very well said.
0: (laughs) Jessica, how about you?
2: Hi, I'm Jessica Ramquaster. I am a neuroperformance coach. I help people get out of pain and improve performance by teaching them how to communicate with their nervous systems.
0: Nice, nice. Kate, look at Kate. I wish our listeners could see Kate's like, oh, this is so good. <laughs> yeah, I love it. Kate, how about you introduce yeah, yourself I'm... to our listeners?
3: Hi, I'm Kate Williams-Stone, and I help people with periods master their relationship with food, their bodies, and their hormones so that they can ditch the diet binge
0: cycle forever and thrive in perimenopause. Great. Well, thank you all for being here. It's my intention with this episode to Give folks a peek into the client search process, for sure. The doors to client surge are open. So we want to give people enough information so that they know whether or not the program is for them. But whether they decide to jump into client surge or not, I want to make sure people leave feeling inspired and with some tangible actions that they can take. So thank you for being here and sharing your experience. I think we'll talk about three key areas. And I want to kick things off today with sales calls. The dreaded, the delighted, I don't know where everybody's at with sales calls today. It can it can be a journey. But Kate, I'd love to just ask you first, can you give us the before and after of your experience with sales calls? Where did you struggle before and what has changed for you?
3: Yeah, so my before with sales calls is that I would say I had accidental sales calls. I had no <laughs> method of getting people on Zoom with me to connect. So that was the first step. So when somebody did book a breakthrough session, I was a nervous wreck. Cause I was like, oh my God, I'm finally talking to somebody. This means so much. There's so much importance. I have to get this client. There was all this pressure on me to close this sale because I had no method of marketing, getting on a complimentary sales call. And then when I was on the sales call, first of all, nervous wreck, I had some structure to follow, Mm -hmm. but I didn't feel confident in that structure. And what I really realized after going through client surge is that the focus was all on me and my results. And I was putting that pressure on myself versus really being client-centered and focused on serving them in our conversation. And so that's what switched through Client Surge is finally I had a method of getting people to talk to me, which felt in integrity with my values. It didn't feel pushy or salesy, but like a real invitation to serve them. Yeah. Then I got to practice multiple times through Client Surge and that built up my confidence to then, okay, I can get on this call. I have a structure. I feel confident in it. I also feel like even if somebody decides not to work with me, they've been served in this hour-long conversation that we've mm. had. So I didn't leave feeling like, Ugh, that was gross. That was weird. That was awkward. Like I could leave being like, okay, they made the choice not to be my client, but they also got benefit from our conversation, which yeah. is really good.
0: Yeah, I really hear that. Can you talk a little bit more, because this is a theme that came up so much in the client search process, but talk a little bit more about the distinction for you, Kate, between centering yourself and centering the client.
3: Hmm. So when I'm centering myself, I'm focused on, am I going to close this sale? Is this client going to enroll with me? Am I a good enough coach? To even help this person, how am I going to fix all their problems, right? Like it's like this mountain of pressure that I've put on myself. And instead, when I'm client centered, it just simplifies things. It's like, how can I put them in my focus and I don't have to solve all their problems in this hour. Mm-hmm. And in fact, it's not even my job to solve all their problems, but I can open them up to a new perspective of the coaching work that I do and how it could benefit them mm-hmm. and leave them
0: with some simple action steps. Yeah. Yeah. So for and that's people, it. Yeah. And not because this is some sales strategy, but because giving them more can create harm instead of actually being helpful, right? Giving them a little bit to get started is how you ensure that they can feel successful, feel like they are capable of having the things that they want and really be able to implement. All right. One, one more question around this for you. If you could give our listeners one concrete piece of advice to help them get better at selling, what would that be? I think the practice practice, practice, practice. It was
3: so helpful in client surge to first practice with other Mm -hmm. coaches and have a space where I could make a mistake, mess up. I mean, I had practice calls where I'm like, oh my God, I just totally like missed that whole step. Can I start over again? I mean, a true rehearsal, right? And so to have that space was really beneficial and it helped build my confidence. So then when I did actually have sales calls, I had a confidence. And even in my sales calls and client surge, I continue to grow in confidence just by repeating, repeating, repeating. And so now I feel like, you know, you could book a sales call with me in five minutes and I'd be ready to go. Yeah. And I wouldn't be a nervous wreck. Right. And that
0: feels so good. Night and day. All right. So for everyone listening, I feel like I've brainwashed Kate because that's what I was hoping you would say would be your answer. (laughs) And so I think this is the biggest mistake we make. Is sure we have a script or we have an outline for discovery sessions, but then someone books or they don't, and the only time we get to practice, Jessica, tell me how this was for you. The only time we get to practice is when the stakes are really high, and we we can't ever get good that way. So you can practice if you have a neighbor, right? If you have a friend, if you have a partner, if you have clients, if you, you could even just run practice sessions, inviting potential clients in, telling them that they're practice sessions, but practice truly does make perfect. Jessica, did you have an experience around that? I had an experience. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it wasn't subtle. I think the practice piece
2: for me, sales prior to this mm-hmm. has been, extremely organic and while that's a beautiful thing it also left a lot of confusion and so kind of looking at the script and seeing these pieces and going oh okay i understand what that what that tool is for let me let me try it let me practice mm-hmm. this in here even though it doesn't feel like the organic Loveliness. I'm used to to have a space with a practice partner where I could go. Okay, I'm actually going to ask this question, even though I don't fully understand it yet, and and let it see. I mean, there were so many gifts that came from it. You know, mm-hmm. just the, one example for me is just you know, imagine yourself a year from now. I never use that conversation largely because I work with people in pain, and it's sort of clear what their goal is. And so, <laughs> but trying it on. I mean, I I had my practice partners would get emotional and like there were gifts coming out of that, that I just, I wouldn't have created that had I not had the structure that was, was given. And it's interesting as I started to put it into client surge and and my, still my desire to be client focused, you know, was there, but going, oh, right, let me, let me remember this piece. There were just each piece of that helped serve the onboarding process so beautifully that. I didn't have to scramble in the end. And right. that that was a huge gift.
0: Right. I hear that. And I think it also just allows us to have more data. So instead of a conversation going well and a client saying yes, and we don't know how to repeat that. Mm-hmm. Right? It truly does feel accidental. We can look back and at specific data points and decide, okay, that doesn't really align. I'm going to throw that away. And this piece was so valuable, I'm going to give it more time. So that's helpful. James, how about you? I think one thing I admired about how you showed up inside of Client Surge was with such a commitment to stretch yourself. And it was really inspiring watching you do that throughout the process. But especially when it comes to taking people's money, (laughs) I remember on one of the calls, you were like, I'm British. I can't, I like, that's not how how I work. (laughs) Can you talk about what you learned specifically around this piece. So I'll give everyone a little bit of context. I don't believe in the pressure of the one call close. I also believe in the power of a one call invitation, right? Everyone we talk to deserves the opportunity to decide on that call, if it, how they want to move forward. And I know that you, I'd love to hear you share your story about like where you found yourself hiding in that and what came of it?
1: So I think one of the first things that I remember learning in Client sturgeon, I put it at the top of my script as I was practicing it was, I think you said something along the lines of let go of the outcome. If people didn't want to book with you, they wouldn't be on the call in the first place. And I think that allowed me to relax into the calls a little bit more in general. And I found that the scripting of or the suggested scripting that you gave us and the structure felt very comfortable and a really nice engaged way of getting into the selling process. As you said, where I did have trouble was actually, not actually making the invite on the call, which I was quite happy with. It was more around the asking people whether they'd be willing to pay for the session right there and then on the call. As I mentioned in the co-coaching call that we had, you know, I am British. We do struggle a little bit talking about finances with people and things like that. And if I'm being honest, I had about five or six people who all said that they wanted to to book. And I didn't push them to actually pay on the call. I didn't invite them to pay on the call. And therefore, it, it dragged out the process somewhat for me because... Then it had to, by necessity, go into a second call. Even if the client would have been ready to to pay there and then, I was pushing them into a second call to discuss it. And it left me feeling quite angsty because I, I was left in this hanging situation where I had five or six people I thought might actually come back to me and close. But I was giving them that window to go away, to find the excuses, to think about it. Anyway, so I guess the the moral of the story is that after we'd had the coaching call, you actually pushed me to extend myself even further and make the invite in in the actual call. And I did that on the next two calls and lo and behold, they both paid there and then. So if there's a moral to the whole story, it's listen to what your coach is telling you.
0: Uh, Right. I want (laughs) to, I want to fill our listeners in on this. So one area where I think most of us feel very stretched is at the end of a sales call, we say a version of, I'd love to invite you to become a client. And then we stop talking So that we can give the client the dignity of their own process. It's so tempting folks to, I'd like to say, I'd love to invite you to become a client and here's how it works and here's the price and here's so much information. I'm just going to keep on talking because I feel super nervous right now, but we want to hold that silence for them. And then when the client says yes, we actually enroll them there right then and there on the call again For our listeners, this is not some weird, high-pressure sales strategy. It's actually centering the client and making them not have to jump through so many damn hoops all the time. So what that looks like, and it can feel really awkward, is, great, let me get you enrolled. I'm going to put a link to your order form or to your subscription right here in the chat, go ahead and click on that link. And as you get registered, I'm going to put your welcome email together. So then we go and we sit there quietly while they're entering credit card information in on Zoom and we are holding the space for them. And if you haven't done that before, it will. it's guaranteed to bring up your stuff, but it's really how we hold a powerful container for our clients. So James, and I think that you like, does all of that feel true or, and it's, it's not like it ever gets easier.
1: Absolutely. Once I actually started doing it and I've been doing it since then,
0: mm-hmm.
1: the conversation just feels so much more cleaner. It feels like I'm giving more dignity to the client. It feels like I'm giving myself more space around that and being true to, to, to my values. And so, and obviously the results of, much better because now I don't have this angsty weight between call one and call two with the client about whether they are actually going to follow through with something that they've actually committed to do. And what we're supposed to do as coaches, when when one of our clients commits to doing something, we help them follow through with it. And I wasn't giving my clients that space. I wasn't allowing them to follow through with it. I was actually taking that away from them rather than giving them.
0: Mm, mm, Such a good observation. Thank you. And congratulations on stepping up. It's Thank you. terrifying. <laughs> so before we shift gears and talk about bringing in leads, I wanted to, just, let's get some numbers. So Kate, we'll start with you. How many clients did you enroll during your surge? During my surge, I enrolled six new clients, which Great. is the most I've ever had. That's amazing. That's awesome. And then since then, you've had a couple more come in. Is that right? That's right. In the last month, I've had two more clients
3: enroll, kind of like stragglers from my surge. Yeah. Which has been great.
0: Yeah. Congratulations. That's great. James, how about you?
1: So I booked 32 calls. I had four people drop out and I signed nine clients in the surge and then counting. So I've picked up a couple since in client flow, which is what comes after client surge.
0: Great. Congratulations.
1: Super happy. More clients than I've ever had.
0: That's amazing. That's great. Jessica, how about you?
2: Yeah, I did 20 calls during my search and booked three clients. And I have five pending in flow state at the moment.
0: Yeah. Yeah. What do you think is, I don't want to call it a delay because people, like if they're not ready for coaching, they're not ready for coaching. Right. But what do you, what's your sense of what's happening with those five people who are.
2: It is for all of them financial. Yeah. They're waiting for, I have three waiting for new jobs to start and three more that I believe will join a small group, which I didn't have as a, as a flavor when I started my search. So.
0: Got it. So you've come up with a way to serve them. Mm -hmm. Great. That's great. All right. So congratulations to all of you, Jessica. I think we're going to talk about, I don't know if we are, I just want to tell everybody now. So one of the clients that Jessica signed was me. (laughs) And I don't know, actually, Kate and James, if you know this story. So inside of Client Surge, you all have those social media templates, right? And then there's the one that is like, this is the sign you've been waiting for that post. I'm scrolling through Instagram and I see Jessica and I know what it is. I wrote it. right? I see this post and I just read it and I thought, this is the sign I've been looking for. And I reached out, I booked a call and hired her on the spot. So it even worked on me. <laughs> All right, why don't we shift gears and talk now about the, the three different paths to more leads. Kate, you talked about this a little bit earlier, how in the past, it almost felt like when someone booked a call with you, it's like, where did they come from? How did that happen? It was accidental clients. So there are really three paths. This is for our listeners to bringing in more leads. The first, and I think the most powerful, is referral ambassadors. The second is social media, which when you become more strategic around social, you can see that become more effective. A lot of us just post and ghost and hope for the best. And then the third is something that I call direct personal invites, which is personally reaching out to those folks on your list or in your community or perhaps following you online who seem to be engaged, taking that risk to invite them in. James, I wanna start with you because if I recall, you relied almost solely on referral ambassador marketing. Is that accurate?
1: The referral and, and social, I didn't make any direct invites at all. Although actually I made direct invites as part of the ambassador request. So a couple of ambassadors, when I asked them if they'd like to be my ambassadors, I also offered them the chance if they wanted to book a call for them to do so.
0: Got it. Hi, it's Dallas, just popping in quickly because if this episode inspires you at all, you will definitely want to join me for the free workshop called Clients From Scratch. I'm going to teach you the three-part system to find perfect match paying clients, and you're going to walk away with a true and realistic understanding of the three paths to better leads. We will definitely talk about how to cultivate sales call confidence all by centering the client and using your coaching skills. This training is 100% free and you can access it now at dallastravers.com slash clients. I look forward to seeing you there. So what do you find worked best for you when it came to bringing in referrals?
1: Getting the guts to ask people Mm. would do it first of all and then I think patience as much as anything when you send out 40 emails to people you know and you ask if they they're happy to refer you to some of their friends the immediate thing that's going on at least in my head is surely these guys are all going to get back to me in 10 seconds because they're (laughs) all my friends right and they're all people that I know and they're all people that have a business relationship with and of course real life's not like that a request can go into somebody's email folder and it can fall down the list quite quickly. And therefore, maybe after two or three days, I was sitting there thinking, why have none of my friends come back to me? And all I did was, as part of the process, there is a what to do when people don't come back to you. Mm-hmm. And I followed that. And the number of people said, oh, sorry, you know, I'm, I meant to reply to your first email, but it just passed me by because X or Y or Z happened. So that patience between making the first the first request and the the follow-up was one of my biggest learnings, I think.
0: Yeah. During that window of time, what I'm also hearing you say is avoid making their silence mean anything.
1: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. We all at times suffer from things like imposter syndrome and you're sitting there thinking, have I really messed up a relationship with a colleague or a friend or somebody that I know? And the truth is you haven't. The truth is that just sometimes real life gets in the way. And I think almost... I think there's only one, two people maybe who didn't get back to me out of the whole thing after a couple of repeated ones, but I'm just assuming that I was going into their spam.
0: Right. Right. That's awesome. So was there anything else that surprised you about the referral ambassador process?
1: How, well, how positive it was. Not everybody responded in the way that I necessarily hoped. You might want to explain the process better than I can, but effectively when you send out a request you're asking for an ambassador to put you in direct contact with one of their friends or colleagues who might need your help as a coach some people didn't follow through quite as i'd hoped they would so some people just said look i've got an incredible mailing list of my own i'll send it out to them and i was thinking to myself it's oh, not quite the way that i'd like it to happen if possible but of course you've got to give your ambassadors the space to do it in a way that they think is is best for them do. and I mean I, I had three, four, five, six people come in and book calls from from that kind of a a message pass on from my referral ambassadors. So I thought that was I thought that was really interesting. I thought the sheer positivity from people yeah. saying people who have seen me around social over the last year or two, where I've really been pushing the business, and then coming back and saying. Seeing what you've been doing for the last couple of years, really love the change in tack and the change in audience that you've done. I'm more than happy to share things with you. And it it just all felt really positive. I didn't have anybody come back to me and just say, look, I'm not doing that.
0: Right. And how dare you ask? And I'm blocking everybody, you on everybody all countries. Yeah. yeah.
1: Everybody yeah. came back and was really positive.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's and great. That
1: really nice.
0: Yeah, that's great. Kate, I want to hear from you because I think you made almost as many ambassador requests as James. It was pretty close, but your experience getting referrals was really different. Fill everybody in on on how that all unfolded for you.
3: Yeah. So I did 31 ambassador requests and I got nine referrals from those 31 requests. Mm -hmm. You're asking people to connect you with hopefully multiple people and reflecting after my client surged and especially after practicing or doing so many sales calls,
0: mm-hmm.
3: I really believe that people are suffering. The people I help are suffering in silence, in isolation. Yeah. So if you're suffering in like a diet binge cycle, it's extremely shameful and isolating to feel like you're out of control with food and everybody else has the answer And then you add the perimenopause hormones on top of that, you know, or perimenopause symptoms that are also extremely isolating and you kind of feel Mm. out of body. And I have to wonder if people are suffering in silence and maybe their friends don't know how much they're suffering. Because I had a lot of ambassadors come back to me and say, oh, I don't know anybody. I don't know anybody. And yet I would get on sales calls with clients. And I would ask them my forward-facing question of like, what would it feel like to have the healthiest relationship you've ever had with food and body? And I've had a handful of people just break down in tears
0: Hmm.
3: just from that question.
0: Yeah.
3: And so there are people who are suffering, but they don't necessarily know who to connect to or where to go. And so in in thinking about like the next client surge and i i do think there's a refinement i need to add to my ambassador referrals like defining more of like what it feels like what it looks like people are unclear about like what is this diet binge cycle what is perimenopause like i think there's a bigger education piece mm-hmm. that i need to get into and then on the flip side the reason i think some of my personal invites were so effective is those people had been watching what I was doing already on social media. Yeah. And so it was like they were watching in the hallway and they're like, oh, I finally got the invitation to come to the party. Like, wow, Kate, I've been watching what you've been sharing and I've been learning so much from you on social media. And yes, I would love to talk to you. So I think that they were just a couple of steps ahead in the education piece where maybe my ambassador referrals weren't.
0: Yeah. I have a couple of other thoughts. I'd love to just coach around for a second if you're open to it. Of course. So in particular, just put yourself in the shoes. This is for our listeners. Put yourself in the shoes of a friend of a woman who you who's who's suffering and you kind of know it, right? How would it feel? To say, hey, you know, I think you should go and talk to a coach about your binge eating. I really think that that would be what, like that is a scary invitation. It's a sensitive topic. I think that's a harder action for ambassadors to take. So Mm -hmm. moving forward for you, I see a few paths. The first one is testing out this ambassador marketing formula we use in client search to have ambassadors share a lead magnet instead. So now this is all about like using your relationships to build your list. And then the right people will keep hanging out in that hallway, watching what you're doing, and then you can directly invite them in. Mm, and it just I love might that. Be, it might be less pressure on ambassadors right? Because Mm -hmm. you could design like a really fun quiz for women over 40, right? So now if I know a woman over 40, I can share this quiz and then the results will help that person self-select in or out. So I was thinking that could be a really valuable strategy for you. Mm -hmm. The other one would be, and I'm less jazzed about this one, because it goes against everything I believe in. So there you go. (laughs) Lightening the language of your discovery sessions, right? So again, that is even like a a health consultation, I don't like that language really, for women over 40. And then you know that you may get a lot more referrals and your sales call conversion rate will be significantly lower because a lot fewer people coming in aren't actually going to be your ideal client but we're kind of playing with volume there, right? Mm-hmm. You just don't naturally get more leads and you can probably help most, most of the women you have a conversation with, even if they're not your ideal client and then only make invitations to those who are. So those are two possible directions I thought of for you specifically because referral marketing, it can feel trickier uh, given the expertise that you coach around. hmm Yeah. Thanks. I love those ideas. Great. It's great. Yeah, you're welcome. Okay. So let's talk about specifically Kate, because you did have, you talked about how your direct personal invites were helpful. Can you walk our listeners through the process specifically that worked so well for you?
3: Yeah. So what I love, the tool that you introduced me to is these bomb-bomb videos mm-hmm. of creating personalized videos to send to people. And like James said, the energy that I received from people, like when I would send a personalized bomb-bomb video in an email to somebody with this personal invite, they're like, I love your energy. I can't believe you made this video for me. It was just so much I don't know, person like more personable than sending an email that was like a cut and paste email. So I think those videos really got people's attention.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: It felt like a big amount of work to do at first when I was taping all of them, but then the reward came later with those videos that was super helpful. And so in that bomb bomb video is an invitation to come to a sales call mm-hmm. to each person. And then you also gave a system that was like a follow up of these nudges if people had not returned your email in 10 seconds, as we expect them to. (laughs) Um, (laughs) They're just waiting at their computer for me to send them this bomb bomb. Um, But then, yeah, the reminders and the follow-up is also really, really helpful. And honestly, like probably the thing that I wouldn't have had the guts to do before client surge is like remind people twice. Like that felt super uncomfortable. And then also though, to have the final step, which is if they have not responded to you to say like, you're off the hook, you know, it's totally fine that you didn't get back to me. So then when I run into that person at the supermarket tomorrow, I don't feel really, really awkward.
0: Yeah, yeah. Great. Yeah. So I'm hearing a theme here. James, when you talked about ambassador marketing, it was the follow through that surprised you and made the biggest difference. And Kate, I'm hearing the same thing for you. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Is there something else you want to say around that, Kate? Well, I think
3: in my next client surge, I think I could be a little bit more gutsy with my ambassador referral follow-up. Uh-huh. Like I got busy enough in week three in client surge with enough um, sales calls that like those second nudges kind of got a little murky. and I wonder the follow up there might be also part of the work to do next.
0: Well, and you don't have to wait until your next surge. You could shift. So we talk about with client surge, we do it in this pretty intense container so that you can have enough practice sales calls to get good at selling. That's the whole point. And then we shift because that's living in a perpetual client surge is not any way to function in the world. So then we shift into client flow, right? Which is just Repeating, it's like your foot on the gas and then on the break and then on the gas and then on the break. So you could, in this next quarter, focus solely on following up with the ambassadors you did not hear from the first time around and just see it's almost as a personal development exercise as much as a business building exercise. But that could be the next step for you to take and you don't have to wait until you surge again to do that. Hmm. Okay. I I hope none of you ever surge again, to be honest. Like if you feel confident with your sales calls, just flow for the rest of your life. All right, Jessica. uh, So we talked about referral ambassadors with James. Kate filled us in on making those direct personal invites. I had so much fun watching you on social. So I'd love to just hear about your experience using Instagram to bring in clients and what seemed to work for you around that.
2: Yeah, thank you. Instagram, I've been in hiding. I'll just say that prior to this. My message is is convoluted or was convoluted. And mm-hmm. what I do is broad and I'm not entirely sure who I help. And so there was sort of this two parts of it. I've dabbled. I've put like videos out previously for like, I'll do like a 30 day thing and just push myself to put content out there. And, and it's never felt like there was a container for it. And so this, this felt like, I mean, honestly, we started this in January. I had a new year's post I put out there that I was just like time, you know, (laughs) and and Mm -hmm. I went for it and, and, you know, um, just challenging myself and, and using, using the the structure that you gave us for, like, I, I had never thought about the idea that, okay, some of these can be coaching posts and some of these can be posts that have, have different flavors, like, you know, sharing pieces of me or inviting someone in or, or testimonials, which I had never put out, you know, before. And so that structure just to kind of give me benchmarks to go, okay, this is, this is the game we're playing. And I didn't necessarily know, it didn't feel as solid in my message as I would have liked to have walking into this. But I started to actually find it as I went and I still am, you know, so putting it out there and seeing, you know, seeing the numbers come back in of people viewing it and those reels are, I mean, they're, that's, that's crazy. Like I put that first one out and I had like 6,000 people watch it. And I was like, wait, what? (laughs) Okay, let's keep doing this, you know, 5,000 new accounts that day. I was like, okay, that, that makes sense to me. I should probably probably do this. And, and I'm a performer and a videographer of sorts. So like, this isn't, this is my fun place. This is what I love doing. And it wasn't, wasn't hard. So what was really interesting, I think for me was actually seeing, I had two people that came into a session directly from social media. And that was that I didn't know, you know, that I've never met before. And that was so impactful for me because, you know, up until now, all of my clients have been through the education system that I'm, I'm certified in people who already knew the work I do and were seeking a master practitioner. And so they already had a sense of what they were, what they were looking for, as opposed to a general audience that has never, we have no context for, for the work I do. And like, um, so to be able to go, Oh my gosh, my message made sense to someone who didn't know me and came in like that's such a win Uh, for me and so empowering that like yeah okay okay I can (laughs) I can explain this in a way that 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 um relates to people and that I think was super powerful I did a Instagram live with one of my clients who has a nice following and that was the most productive for me like I had Mm -hmm. six people sign up for sessions out of the six 16 people that were listening to it. So it was an eye-opening experience that, yes, if you give me two hours in the microphone, I can, (laughs) I can, I can pull it together, you know, so, okay, more of those opportunities. Can I do that and, and bring in the content that came from it, the words that were shared in that dialogue, rather than just me in my head going, how does one explain what I do was really juicy. And I think I've done a couple more since then. And it's like, oh, no, these are these are awesome sound bites that I can use. So that's been great. And I think, too, the other piece I want to say is in terms of the messaging and all of these things is actually getting direct looking the feedback, looking to see what message actually is getting resonated back. Like, yeah, um, the things that I thought were super valuable and important aren't necessarily what I'm hearing you know, being the things that pull people in, um, a lot of them are around my own story and like the human experience around it. And like, you know, for me, this feeling of constantly feeling like I'm swimming upstream, like that was how I described life prior to finding the work that I do. And I've had three people come in and be like, that's it. That's what it feels like, you know? Mm -hmm. And, And so, yeah. I feel like it's almost like a, a an infinite playground out there right now. Like I can yeah. I can kind of keep putting things out there and use it as sort of a testing ground of, yes, this is the message that is getting the most traction. This is the style that is getting the most traction. Hashtag tiny house is like really useful, has nothing <laughs> to do with my work, but,
3: <laughs> but
2: I live in one.
0: So there I, you go. Here's so what fun. I heard you say. You started by saying you were hiding before. Mm -hmm. And so just having a structure to follow gave you permission Mm -hmm. to then become more visible before having your messaging rock solid. And then you realized, oh, I'm never going to get a rock solid message until I start marketing. And you realize so quickly, isn't this true that, oh, this is a moving target, all in a constant state of evolution, so the more visible you become, the more uh, efficiently you're able to dial in your message, which is counterintuitive. Yes. Yeah. Oh, I'm That's so impressed. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. That's really fantastic. Let's talk about messaging. Actually, James, how much of a role do you think the right messaging plays when it comes to attracting clients?
1: Oh, a million percent. Mm-hmm. I just find that one of the things that I loved about Client Surge was that it showed me that my messaging was actually on point.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: The first time in like forever, I spent a long track, a lot of time over the last eighteen months or so, trying to dial in, speak to my ideal clients, finding my own voice on social media, as Jessica just said, and finding the space that worked for me, and having a system that, which is Client Surge, that married with my messaging, just worked perfectly it was like a seamless thing you know you said you'll hit around 27 percent of uh, signups I think I hit 29 or 30 percent or something like that so everything just worked seamlessly but I think it all has to start from being dialed into who you're trying to attract to yourself to your own personal values as a coach and I think Client Surge really helped me build on a lot of hard work that I've done, done previously and yeah. just brought it all together. Yeah. Yeah. Like a perfect storm of signed a chain, Really,
0: Yeah. Yeah. I hear that. You know, one of the unfortunate benefits of Client Surge is it will show you really fast if you have a muddled message. Which is painful because then you got to go and like figure all of that out and you're doing it in public and it's it, it can be very challenging and it's such a gift because you, James, are proof that when your message is dialed in, marketing is much more effortless and much more effective. Hmm. So Kate, how about you? Same question. What role does the right message play? Oh, it's huge. And, you know, I think their
3: shift for me has been discovering the language that my potential clients use versus like me as the practitioner. Uh And so shifting that and having so many sales calls during client surge allowed me just like day after day to hear this language that people were using and, and not only in their current state, but also in their goal future state, how they wanted to feel and how they would describe that. Honestly, is like totally different language than I would use.
0: (laughs) I don't, I'm going to put you on the spot, but I'm so curious. Can you think of a clear example? I have one in my Mm. own business that I'll share also, but can you think of a clear example? Yeah. So one that comes up a lot is like, I want to feel in control
3: with food. Mm
0: -hmm. That's like the
3: goal. Like I want to feel in control. And as a practitioner, I would actually say the control, wanting that control is what's uh, making you feel out of control. Right. So it's actually like a release of control in many ways allows freedom with food and body,
0: but that's a whole, that's the whole process, right? Yeah. That I guide people not, through. That's <laughs> not where they are when they come in. So talking about that, they like, they are you're repelling them fast. Yes. Yeah.
3: So, so being able to use the language of like feeling in control with food, even though that's not really how I would describe it. It's yeah. how they're describing it.
0: Yeah. Powerful. Mine is In almost every discovery session I have, someone will say to me, they'll refer to their business as this coaching thing. I got to get this coaching thing going or I got to get this thing. And they call it a thing. And so I've integrated that into a lot of my messaging because, and I, I see it exactly the opposite. It's not a thing, right? Like it's a business and you're in charge. It's the opposite of that. But that's an example of the importance of meeting people where they're at. And the another gift of client surge is it becomes really, really clear where we are speaking a foreign language, right? And, and, and how to correct that. Yeah. Good. Absolutely. Let's wrap things up with one final question. So now that you have a repeatable way to bring in clients, what has opened up for you when you look at the possibilities in your business? Jessica, we'll start with you. Now that you've got a repeatable way to bring in clients, what possibilities have opened up for you in your business, in your coaching thing?
2: My, I totally use that. I'm certain I'm one of your. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, this is true. (laughs) (laughs) This coaching thing, you know, the biggest thing. I signed up for the Hive with this this feeling of like, and the client search is a module in the Hive Mm. that I have this gigantic thirty thousand foot view of what I want this coaching thing to look like, and I've been so stuck for so long that like there's just all these pieces in between, and so. For me, you actually nailed it on the head. It's not a coaching thing anymore.
0: It's uh-huh.
2: And I have a lot of emotion around that because I had oh zero evidence to suggest that I had any ability whatsoever to run a business. I'm a damn good coach. Mm-hmm. But the business side of it, it wasn't there. And now I have evidence. There's evidence that I can, in fact do things that look like a business and that they produce results, you know? And yeah. And it, and it does for me, it feels like this was such a, such a pivotal monumental month for me, two months this month following it as well, as I sort of integrate all of these things, I only signed three clients, but that feels like, I mean, the, the foundation that's been laid, that's a gift for me, you know, Is just, it's all possible now. You know, it's like, okay, great. Can I get this message a little more dialed in? Can I send that to a podcast and, mm-hmm. and, you know, you know, sign up to do that. And can that lead to things? And there's a conversation going that wasn't happening before. And so it does feel like the sky's the limit at this point, if I have my tools in order and feel comfortable with
0: them, well-practiced in them. So yeah, no, it's regulations game changing. Congratulations. That's awesome. James, how about you? What's possible in your business now?
1: Oh, I mean, client surges probably, and I I don't say this in any way lightly, probably changed my life and, and my business. And that makes me feel quite, quite emotional. I'm qualified to the Hill. I've got a master's degree in nutrition. I've got strength and conditioning qualifications. I'm a former personal trainer. This is a second career for me, if I'm being honest. I spent a lot of time prior to client search sitting around thinking that all my fancy-ass qualifications were just going to bring clients in. It doesn't work like that. But for the first time ever, I feel as though I've arrived at a place in my business whereby the business is actually paying for itself. So I can afford to pay for more coaching or pay some of the money back that I've I've paid out for all those fancy-ass qualifications before. And to the point where... I bought a couple of new shirts the other day and my wife said to me, you're spending a lot of money recently. Have you uh, won the lottery or something? And I was like, no, I just signed up some new clients on client search. <laughs> so, you know, it, it it really has. And it means to me that I'll be able to do the thing now that I'm most passionate about and leave yes. my, my old career or gradually leave my old career behind before the old career was propping up the coaching. And now it feels like, you know, it's 50-50. And if things carry on the way they are, then and touch wood, I can't see any reason why it wouldn't do. Then client surge is just totally, totally changed my career around. And I can't thank you enough for helping facilitate that, Dallas. It's incredible for me.
0: You're welcome. That's awesome. How about you, Kate? What's possible for you? Well, I mean, client surge has showed
3: me that what I thought was like a coaching hobby or a side gig can be the full time. Thing. It's also made me a better coach going through, and that was something I didn't expect from client yeah. search, but I learned to be a better coach by coaching. And I am coaching when I'm in sales calls now because I have that structure. And so it's given me more confidence, not only in sales calls, but in my coaching with my active clients. And, you know, it's made me realize how many people need my help. That, like, my messaging is not about me. It's about helping other people. So there's a market out there for what I do. It's just connecting with those people. And then, like Jessica and James said, like, this can be the full-time career that I've always dreamt it to be but i never had like a simple system to do right i'd be like let me dabble in this instagram class let me dabble in this let me dabble and like it just felt overwhelming and unfocused and now i'm like no just stick to the plan just stick to this client yeah. surge process and i know that it works and it just feels feels doable but also feels very in integrity with who i am yeah which feels really nice
0: yeah wow oh this has been such a fun conversation with the three of you. It just makes me feel so grateful to get to do the work that I do because I get to meet values-driven coaches just like you. So thank you for coming on the podcast to share your experience. I know that it's inspired all of our listeners because I'm leaving this conversation feeling really inspired by each of you. So thank you all for being here. Thank you so much for tuning in to Coaches on a Mission. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe, follow, rate, and review, do all of the things to show your support for this show. It is so helpful for us and it also helps other coaches find this show. If you want to take this episode further, please follow me on Instagram. I'm Dallas Travers Biz Mentor, and every week I turn our episode into a week-long mini course on my Instagram page. It's designed to help you apply what we talk about during the episode to your business in a super tangible way. So